So are you ready to pretend to be excited about the NIT? If we get there. <laughs> yeah. Every year we've made the NIT, I kind of talk myself and like, oh, I guess I got to pretend I care about this. But then at the end of the day, mm-hmm. just happy to get to keep watching them, honestly. So yeah, it is what it is. Welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer and Joe Shell, and we've got a happy basketball episode, which oddly enough for Syracuse has been something we haven't always been able to do. Syracuse gets their ranked win uh, that we've been dying to see, the first one in two years, two years since Syracuse basketball had last beaten a ranked team. This time they knock off 23rd ranked NC State, 75-72, on a night where Five players for the Orange were in double digits. You had Judah Mintz with 20, Jesse Edwards with 18, Joe Girard with 14. Uh, and just a night where Syracuse was just firing on all cylinders, played a physical game, played against a tough opponent, and straight up outplayed them. Uh, Joe, this was the kind of win that Syracuse had been looking for for a long time. And it even got close late. In the game, and you sat there and said, "Uh uh-oh, we've seen this before against good opponents. But they finished the job. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of what I said last week was I I felt like they were due to be able to close one of these games out. And I think I specifically mentioned Judah Mintz as being due for not squandering one away and and having a good good game down the stretch. And that's exactly what he did. He kind of put the team on his back and, and won this one for us. Judah was great. There's really not much else you can say about him. I, I think this is the the best game of his young career. 20 points, 9 assists, I believe only on one turnover, which is phenomenal. It's all you can ask for from your point guard, especially a freshman. It, it was a spectacular game, and Judah had a really good second half, which is kind of becoming a thing for him. He's becoming a really solid second-half player. Um, and, and now Syracuse finds itself in this really interesting point. They're 16 and 10, nine and six in the ACC. They were in a position going into last night where, uh, you know, the bracketology was saying you're going to probably have to go four and two to even be considered for the, uh, for the NCAA tournament. So this was a big one, but Joe, we were talking this, this, what's weird about this is it's not a Q1 win. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter where your opponent falls in the rankings and the polls. What matters is where they are in the RPI. And NC State isn't high enough where playing them at home is a Q1 opportunity, which sucks for us. But, you know, we haven't taken care of business in our Quadrant 1 opportunities this year. So it's kind of hard to complain too much at this stage of the season. But yeah, it's odd. You would think a big win against a ranked opponent at home would, would be part of a resume builder, but the way it's shaking out right now, it's, it's really not. It's one of our better wins of the year, possibly the best win of the year thus far, but it's not really enough to move the needle in the eyes of the committee. Yeah. It's, it's one of those weird things. Syracuse still looking at a situation where they're probably going to have to go relatively deep in the ACC tournament to really get a a legitimate chance, but kind of going back to the NC state game, 
for one, I thought this was notable. Syracuse now has five straight wins over NC State. We seem to have their number, you know, whatever it is. And those have always been, I feel like if I think of the past couple of years, those have always been teams, NC State teams, where we're like, boy, these, these guys are tough. NC State is always physical. They're big. They like to have really big They've been big, pesky. They've been pesky players. for a number of years now. And uh, that just kind of makes this win even better. You look at Jesse Edwards, too. I mean, he had that inside presence that we're looking for. The 16 rebounds, and I think you can't look past how important those are. You know, how often in the last couple of years have we lamented not winning the rebounding battle? And um, and actually, we didn't win the rebounding battle last night either, but it we did more than enough to, to pull off the dunk. It was It was a little weird because we gave up a lot of offensive rebounds, but... NC State missed a lot of jump shots, and those turn into long rebounds kind of into no man's land. And for whatever reason, maybe it's that our guards aren't really active enough looking for rebounds um, out of the zone, but a lot of those rebounds were just long missed jump shot rebounds that gave NC State, I believe a couple of times they had three or four attempts on a single possession, which no matter how it happens is, is a mistake and not really excusable, but um, yeah. And, you know, and they got lucky in the fact that NC state didn't have a great shooting night. So sure, sometimes that, when, they... yeah. And that's rare for them. They're, they're a pretty good shooting team, but you know, you're talking about Jesse it, watching the game, you know, Jesse struggled a bit. I know his counting stats at the end of the day were good and you can't, criticize his rebounding that was phenomenal and he played hard but on offense as we've seen this year when he faces a, a bigger bodied center he struggled against burns to to really find his comfort in in the post he uh you know couldn't move burns off of his spots obviously he's a much larger defender against him um not lengthwise but but body body wise you know mm-hmm a big and immovable guy and Jesse struggled with it and if you look at it it was a relatively inefficient day for him he missed a lot of bunnies he left some on the rim you know five of 14 from the field that's not typically what you see from Jesse who's one of the more efficient offensive players in the country um so he struggled and it's good that you know your your best player one of your best players can struggle like that in a bad matchup for him personally and still put together a good game and help the team win. Uh, he still got there, you know, with with the help of a uncanny three-pointer that, you know, it was the end of the shot clock, but it wasn't like a heave that went in. He settled his feet, he squared his shoulders, and he took a three-pointer, and it, it looked good, and it went in. Um, it was... It was a nice, uh, smooth follow-through that he had. So, uh, good for him. That was exciting. Ball collected, Bell, three to shoot. Now here's Edwards with two. He'll launch. Got it! You know, Jesse fought hard all game against against Burns, who's, who's a big guy, and he's a chippy physical guy. And Jesse kept his cool, and he kept fighting and fought for some rebounds. And, and near the end, down the stretch, started to get some of his looks to go he started to cook in the in the low post a little better he, he pulled a few nice post moves on him and uh we got there in the end you know like i said judah uh, was phenomenal he 
made some crazy circus shots again that turned into and ones. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is um, that, you know, Matt, you kind of alluded to the, the balance of the scoring was, was good and something that we haven't really been seeing this year. So to see so many guys have roughly 10 points or more, it was good. And that's what we need to, to win. We can't keep leaning on the same two or, th- you know, really the same two guys game after game after game, two to three guys. And it was nice. It was absolutely nice to see. Chris Bell had 11 points. Malik Brown had 10 points and six rebounds as well, which is notable. Um, and it was good to see those guys. You know, and I said two weeks ago how much I've really enjoyed watching Malik Brown get better and better and better. And he's really turning into a major part of this team. You know, we're saying his name more and more as the season goes on. And I think that's a really good sign. This really is a young team that you sit there and you say, okay, well, maybe February. As we sit here on February 15th, 2023, we know that you know our chances of making the NCAA tournament this year aren't great, but you sit there and look at 2024 and say, if you can keep this together, I would think there's a chance that we basically already know we're basically in by you this have, time next year. You have pieces that fit well together into a cohesive unit. You have all the pieces of a good team there, and you... Your team is so young, the ceiling is so high, there's so much room to get better. It's not like last year's team where you have a team full of veterans and there's not really much room for them to get better. Um, although, shout out to Cole Swider, who like plays a little bit for the Lakers. That's an unexpected development. He, uh, Yeah, he he's was, had a very good little career so far. Yeah, he was tasked with guarding Giannis in the fourth quarter the other night. Um, so good for him for getting his cup of coffee and hopefully making something of it. But unlike last year's team, this year's team is so young. There's room to grow. There's room to improve. Take a guy like Chris Bell. You know, you just said he scored, what, 11 points? And that was yeah. a, in a bad shooting night. His three-pointers still aren't falling. He's in a little bit of a cold streak. But his form and his mechanics are so good that you know that's going to come around. And we already talked about how his rebounding has been improving overall over the last few games. He's starting to round into the early makings of a pretty complete basketball player. He just needs a little more experience, maybe bulk up a little bit. But he's, you know, looking to be a guy who could develop into the typical long athletic three-point shooter that you like to see playing the wing for Syracuse. You know, Benny Williams, we're probably not going to see a whole lot of him down the stretch at this point, and I would imagine he'll seek another opportunity somewhere else. But it's hard to be upset about that because it's because another guy forced the issue and pushed himself into the lineup. It's a very different player. Malik Brown isn't as athletic as Benny and doesn't have any semblance of a jump shot yet, but right now he doesn't need it. He is in the right spots to find his places to score and he seems to fit in nicely with the team and the pieces around him. Yeah. You just need to hope that you have the shooting next year to keep this lineup complete and balanced. So you, maybe you see a guy like Justin Taylor play one of the guard spots. Maybe uh, Judah develops his jump shot a little better. The the three pointer that Judah hit against NC state looked good. It was pretty yeah. You know, smooth jump shot. It's not completely broken. And Jerry McNamara is his coach. So you would imagine if he comes back next year, it's very possible that 
Judah could be a, a three-point threat. He's enough of a three-point threat now where you can't completely ignore him because he's shown that if you do, he will take one, and he has the ability to hit them. Yeah. He wasn't an awful three-point shooter in, in high school. So I think that's kind of the the biggest thing right now is getting Judah to come back and developing a jump shot. And if that happens, it's kind of hard to argue that uh, he won't be one of the best players in the country. And for what it's worth, the reports are is that Judah's going to look at what the mock drafts say. Yeah, and you know it's hard to to see a scenario where he's anything but a likely second round pick. But a likely second round pick can turn into undrafted free agent in the blink of an eye. And I think he's too talented to accept that for himself. Not that he won't. You look at a guy like Jeremy Grant, who probably had roughly the same draft stock. And now he's probably one of the 15 to 20 best players in the league. So it it can happen. It's just an uphill battle. And you'd like to see a kid as talented as Mintz come back and just get a little better. And then... Uh, really make a push for being a, a first-round pick, potentially a lottery pick. Yeah, absolutely. So let's do stars and demerits from this, although, frankly, I look at this and say you could give five stars out on this, yeah. right? I mean, five guys played great. Um, I guess I'll take the easy one. I'll take Jesse Edwards. You know, 18 points, 16 rebounds. He controlled that inside uh, against a, a bigger guy and he had a three. So, Hey, you know, he had a, he had a three pointer. So Jesse Edwards, um, kind of hard to give it to merit out in a game like this. I really don't have any qualms with anyone. Um, a dishonorable mention to, to Jim Bayheim, not cause I think he coached a bad game, but we are seeing that lineup shrink and continue to shrink and continue to shrink. And we're getting back to, Guys playing 37, 38, 39 minutes a game. Symeer's kind of lost his minutes. Benny doesn't really play anymore. Copeland isn't seeing the court anymore. So I don't like seeing that, but I'm not going to leave a bad taste in anyone's mouth after a win against a ranked opponent. So I'm going to go ahead and give the star to Judah, um, who scored 20 points, but the reason uh, he was a star to me was not the 20 points. It was not the circus shots and crazy layups and and ones and actually hitting his free throws. It was the nine assists to one turnover. That's what you need to win. You need a point guard who can create for his teammates, and he's developing into that, and it's critical for this team to succeed. Absolutely. So let's take a look forward here. So we've got... Quite the interesting little run left for Syracuse. There are five games left in the regular season. Two of them before our next episode. So Saturday, Duke. Uh, the Blue Devils are 18-8, and 9-6 and six in the ACC. 6 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, Duke's averaging 71 points a game. They give up only 64. Very good defensive team. You're looking there at Kyle Filipowski. He's averaging 15 points a game and nine rebounds a game. Jeremy Roach. You know, everybody knows, you know, how talented Duke is. They're not a ranked team. They're not even a Q1, but they're still Duke. They're still good. They're still going to play a tough game. And then next Wednesday, Syracuse heads on the road to Clemson. Tigers have kind of had this odd year. They started real hot. It kind of got a little streaky recently. They're still 18 and 7, 10 and 4 in conference. 
7 p.m. on the ACC Network. Clemson's averaging 73 points a game. They give up 68. You got Hunter Tyson there who's averaging 15 points a game. This is a pair of tough games um, to start this final five-game stretch, and it's going to be really critical for Syracuse at minimum to split this, and frankly, with the number one team in the ACC coming up on the 25th of February, and that's on the road at Pitt, Syracuse, you could argue, really needs to take both of these. And and the reason is is because they need – they probably can only afford – one more loss. Well, I guess technically based on what was said, they could lose twice here, but uh, there is only one team left on the schedule with a losing record, and that's Georgia Tech. So, tough set of games here. I look at this. I think Syracuse is going to be riding high off the win uh, from NC State, and I think they are going to play Duke really close, but I think Duke's going to pull it out 68-66. And then down on the road at Clemson, I think Clemson's going to win that one close too. We'll say 71-68. This isn't a Duke team that quite has the star power we've seen in recent years. You know, they have Filipowski, who you mentioned, but he's not quite, at this point, the offensive player that we've seen Duke's previous iterations of their one and done teams have, um, but they're they're a good team. They're athletic. They're talented. You know they're deep. They're always going to have a deep roster full of talent. It's not going to be easy, but like you said, this team's riding high right now. They got their first win against a ranked opponent. The whole lineup is contributing. You're seeing guys start to develop and. This is with some recent cold streaks. You know, Gerard's still waiting for his uh, three-point shooting to consistently come back. He's still had, you know, some quieter games. And Chris Bell has been really struggling from behind the arc. So there's there's room to improve and quickly. And the, the defense overall has been better. So if, if they can piece together most of a good zone performance, I know at this point they're not really capable of putting a com- complete game out there, but they can score enough to stay in the game and they have proven the ability to score in bunches and go on runs that when the zone does lock in, they can pull away a little bit and, and finish out some of these games. And now that we see Judah and the team as a whole learning how to finish out some of these tough games against good opponents, um, they have that experience and hopefully they can keep that going and, and, continue the trend of, of not choking these games away. So I actually think that we're going to pull out a close one against Duke at home. Fans are riding high teams, riding high, um, but we're going to have to score a bit to do it. So I'm going to say we win that one 77 to 75. As far as uh, traveling to Clemson, you know, Clemson had been one of the top teams in the conference earlier in the year, and they're no slouch. It's always tough playing them on the road, so I feel less confident about that game, and I think that's the one that we then slip a little. I think Clemson will win that one, uh, 72-68. to All right. And then just for everybody's knowledge, after that, Syracuse goes to Pitt on Saturday the 25th, then 
On the 28th, they host Georgia Tech. And then March 4th, the regular season ends at home with Wake Forest. Tough final six. At least they got the W on the first one. Probably the one you'd have circled the most. Pitt, very likely, could be ranked by the time we head there. Um, They, you know, like I said, they're number one in the ACC right now. Um, They have the tiebreaker uh, and uh, would be the one seed going into the ACC tournament if it started today. Syracuse lacrosse. The offense came alive. The offense that, Joe, you were so excited about two games in a row just lit up their opponents. So Friday night, Syracuse rolled over Albany, 20-7. to Joey Spelina showed why he's wearing number 22. He had five goals on seven shots on goal. Uh, Jackson uh, Burtwistle had three goals. Owen Hiltz had three goals. Uh, Everybody basically got into it. Will Mack had 14 saves. And Albany's a, a good team, so that was a good W. Uh, and then on Sunday, Syracuse beat Holy Cross 15-6. to Joey Spelina had another five goals in that. Finn Thompson had four. Michael Leo had two. Uh, just a, a de- two days where that Syracuse offense uh, stepped up after having a you know less-than-perfect start against Vermont. It's like I said last week, the teams coming in, Albany, and uh, more so Holy Cross, relatively inferior opponents. Obviously, Albany is a good program, but they're they're trying to build back to, to where they had been. They're not quite there yet. So this was an opportunity, like I had mentioned, for the offense that had struggled in the opener to find their comfort zones, let the, the freshmen and the young talent get their feet wet a little better and, and find their rhythm. And Joey Spleena did that. And then some, he's the top player in, in the ACC for the week, obviously with his 10 goals on the weekend, which is what we need. You know, that's what he has to do against teams like that. And hopefully what he can uh, do something close to that when we start playing teams like Maryland coming up. So it was critical for the offense to find some rhythm. And these were big games for doing that. And it, it was critical that, that we were able to. You listed... Uh, a number of freshmen, you said, uh, Spelina, first of all, and Thompson and Leo, um, who are going to be huge parts of this team going forward. And it was big for them to to see the back of the net and, and find their rhythm on offense. And we're going to have to keep that going. The defense is incredible. I can't believe that we are three games into the year and we've given up 18 goals on the season which is less than we scored against Albany on Friday, which is incredible. The defense is everything that I mentioned last week. Everything I mentioned about Will Mark last week still stands. They're playing physical. The slides are crisper, and they they seem to communicate better as a unit than we've seen in the recent past. So I'm, I'm very hopeful going forward on the season because so far we've seen them get better and better every week. Obviously, this wasn't the same blowout that we saw against Holy Cross last season to open the year with, I believe we scored 24 goals in that one, but Holy Cross is also a better team than they were last year. So it was a good performance. The the kids are getting uh, their rhythm and, and they're finding themselves and the defense is incredible. They're, they're a staunch unit. And like you said, Will Mark is providing 
everything that we could have ever asked for and then some. Yeah. Yeah, and Syracuse, just to mention that, Syracuse has outscored their opponents 42-18 to 18 in three games. I mean, that's that's impressive. <laughs> that's really impressive. So a good 3-0 and start. Gets um, real fast, though. The schedule gets real it, fast. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. So depending on which poll you're looking at, Syracuse heads on the road to face number four or number nine. Uh, 1 p.m. on Saturday on the Big Ten Network Plus. Maryland sits at 1-1. One and one. They beat Richmond 15-4, then lost at Loyola 12-7. Maryland's making 28% of their shots, 65, almost 66% of their shots on goals. Um, they take 38 shots a game. Um, they've won 73 ground. They've picked up 73 ground balls. Uh they are 30 and 15 in the faceoff circle. Uh, you're looking at uh, a pair of Daniels are leading their scoring. Daniel Kelly has five goals and four assists. Daniel Maltz has three goals and three assists. You got Owen Murphy has four goals. And Logan uh, McNanny in, uh, in goal has 17 saves. So a tough opponent very quickly, an opponent that knows what it's like to lose already this season. Uh, an opponent where another loss um, is going to be damaging to them because they haven't even started their conference play yet. Big Ten is not as good as the ACC, but it is a solid conference there. Rutgers is a good team. Penn State has a good team. Uh, so, you know, Maryland can't really afford to have two losses in their first three games. So this is going to be a real tough one for Syracuse. Uh, but... You know, I, I I think Syracuse might be able to pull this out. It'll be close, but it's going to be really interesting to watch. I love where our team is at right now. I love the development that I've seen. And if this game were a little later in the year, I'm not sure. Maybe I'd feel a little better about it. But I'm just not quite sure they're there yet. Um. We're not going to get the doors blown off, I don't think. Like, if I recall, we saw last year in this matchup. But I think it's going to be a good game. But on the road, I think we're going to lose a tough one. We're going to see the, the kids play play tough and fight hard. But I, I think we're probably just not going to have quite enough at the face-off X. Johnny Rakusa has been, been good, but, you know, when he faced one of the top face-off men in the country uh, with Vermont. Uh, he had some cold streaks. He he fought, though. He, he played admirably. But I just think we're going to not quite have enough in a couple areas. I think you're going to see the defense play awesome. I think Will Mark's going to keep doing his thing. But with so many young players this early in the season on offense, I think we're going to come up just short. I think we're going to lose a heartbreaker on the road. Right. I mean, the the good thing is even if they lose a, a close one on the road, it might still get some attention of, of some of those rankings folks and things, and, and it's one of those things you learn from and you move forward. Make so. it a game. Use it to get better. Exactly. Because yeah. uh, you may, if you make the tournament, you very well could face them again. <laughs> and if you steal one here, then, you know, the, the expectations going into the ACC play are, are going to be sky high, and... Maybe they'll live up to those championship dreams that I've been putting out in front of them. Who knows? Who knows? So women's lacrosse, um, who is definitely a championship contender. Uh, they, 
They started out the way you want to. Uh, they are one and zero. They were they were preseason number five, and they upset number four. If that's really an upset at that point, Northwestern sixteen to fifteen. Northwestern, for anybody who knows anything about women's lacrosse, is a juggernaut. <laughs> they are the example of what you want your program to be. They have tons of national titles. Very good. Um, they've beaten Syracuse a couple times in the national title game. They're the ones that knocked Syracuse out of the NCAA tournament last year. And uh, an exciting game. Syracuse had an 8-4 lead going into halftime. Um, they gave up six in the third quarter to only score in three, but they, they evened it up five goals apiece in the fourth and they ended up pulling out that close win. The Terrell sisters are back, <laughs> and they're doing their thing. Emma had three goals and an assist. Megan had two goals and six assists. I mean, uh, just a, a really good game. Megan Carney had four goals. Uh, Olivia Adamson had two goals and an assist. So um, a really good way for Syracuse uh, women to start the season. Um, and they've got another toughie because on Friday they will play number two Maryland. <laughs> In the, in the JMA Wireless Dome, 3 p.m. on the ACC Network Extra. And then Monday, they host Binghamton at 4 p.m. on ACC Network Extra. So, uh, not ducking anybody early. <laughs> Don't you love that scheduling? You believe you're the best. You want to show the world that you're the best. You got to play the best. And I feel like you don't see that a whole lot in... Uh, in college football or even college basketball all that often people want to use their non-conference to warm up and stuff. Women's lacrosse. Boom. You go play the best right away and you show everyone who you are. Who needs a warm up game? Who needs a warm up game? You know what our warm up game is? Number four. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? Go big or go home. All right. Speaking of football, uh, a couple weeks ago, the football schedule for the ACC was released. We had known who we were going to play. We didn't know the order. So uh, we'll go ahead and go through the 2023 Syracuse football schedule. So first of all, we do know that the spring game will be April 21st. You're starting to see the guys are doing uh, some of their uh, lifting work and things like that as uh, spring ball should be starting relatively soon here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so... Saturday, September 2nd, so Labor Day weekend, Syracuse will host Colgate out of the Patriot League. There's the FCS gimme, as I like to call those. Should be a W to get the season started right. Good good way to kind of just kind of ease in, uh, work out some kinks early. The following Saturday, September 9th, Syracuse will host Western Michigan. This is a team that is replacing its head coach, Tim Lester, former assistant at Syracuse. Uh, so that's a team that's going to probably be in rebuilding mode. Saturday, September 16th at Purdue. This will be a Purdue without Aiden O'Connell, without their top wide receiver, that guy who seemed to have the cheat mode. Anything within five yards of him, he'd grab. Uh, they'll both be on their way to the NFL. And Brian Brom, the head coach uh, at Purdue, uh, has left for Louisville, which is uh, his hometown and where he played his college ball. So that's another team that's going to be in rebuilding mode. Saturday, September 23rd, Syracuse hosts Army. That's the beginning of a four-game series with Army over the next four seasons. Two in the Dome, two at West Point. So 
Uh, that's another one. Army, you know what they're going to do. <laughs> they are going to run up the middle and run it down your throat if they can. Um, so We do run... fine against that usually, so that should be fine. <laughs> yeah. Saturday, September 30th, Orange Central, the ACC opener, Clemson. Too early ah. in the year for that game. I hate that. I hate yeah. that. Especially because, let's face it, the last two, three years, Clemson's been kind of down. That will not be the case this year. Clemson is, if you look at what they brought in, if you look at their quarterback situation, they figured that all out. Clemson is going to be the favorite in the ACC, and they are going to be a favorite to make the playoff again. So, And you don't need that to be homecoming. People will go to the Clemson game regardless. You pick, Make a different game homecoming. I know, I know. Well... All right, so then things get a little tough on the schedule. After Clemson, things get tough? Yeah, well, okay, so it starts <laughs> starting. Yeah, okay. So starting September 30th, things get tough. So Clemson, Saturday, October 7th at North Carolina. So North Carolina's quarterback is going to be a favorite for the Heisman. He may not win it, but he's certainly going to be in the uh, preseason hype, and that's early enough in the season he's still going to be getting hype. Uh, and North Carolina, with Mac Brown there and everything, they're going to be tough. Uh, they're going to definitely be in contention for the ACC title. Saturday, October 14th, on the road again at Florida State, who they just gave Mike Norvell a huge contract extension. They've got a ton of talent on that team, and they're another one that's going to be competitive for the ACC title. So basically, we play the three favorites to win the ACC three weeks in a row. And two of them on the road. So, hey, good time. Syracuse has a bye week then, thank God. (laughs) Uh, Nicely placed in the middle of the season after seven games and with five to go. Then Thursday night, October 26th at Virginia Tech. Now, the Hokies are not as good as they have been in the past. Last year, they were probably the worst team in conference. I think they had two wins. But playing at Virginia Tech on a Thursday night is going to be tough (laughs) because, you know, Lane Stadium and they're going to play, enter Sandman, and that place is going to be rocking and rolling. So not an easy, you know, if that was on a Saturday afternoon, I wouldn't be as worried as a Thursday nighter. Friday, November 3rd, back in the Dome, finally, (laughs) against Boston College Family Weekend. Saturday, November 11th, Syracuse will play Pittsburgh in Yankee Stadium. Yes, we gave away a home game for this. The reason being, it's apparently the 100th anniversary of the first college football game played in Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium, and that happened to be Syracuse versus Pitt. I don't know if it matters. We lose to Pittsburgh every year anyway. Saturday, November 18th at Georgia Tech. Uh, Yellow Jackets were 5-7 and seven last year. They're definitely in rebuilding mode, but they should be better. They were definitely on the upswing and hitting them that late in the year. That's not going to be an easy matchup. And then Saturday, November 25th versus Wake Forest. Finally, without that quarterback, (laughs) but I'm sure they'll have somebody else ready to go. So now you may have noticed no NC State and no Louisville on that schedule. And that is because next year is the first year of the new ACC setup. There are no divisions, no Atlantic division, no coastal division. Top two teams by record in the conference go to the ACC championship game, even if they have already played each other. 
Um, you'll play eight ACC games. There are three permanent opponents. The other teams in the ACC rotate. So for Syracuse, our three permanent opponents are Boston College, Florida State, and Pittsburgh. We will play them every year. Everybody else rotates. For example, Clemson will not be on the schedule in 2024 for the first time since we've joined the ACC. So, Joe, I look at this. Believe it or not, this is an easier schedule than what they faced last year. But, boy, that middle is brutal. It all is going to boil down to how you bounce back from that stretch, which is likely to be a a three-game losing streak and a, a tough one at that. But uh, I I, kind of see a a very reasonable roadmap to six wins here um, with some still reasonable potential for a seventh. Yep. I I think you could this. I know this is going to be unfortunately familiar sounding, but I I see a situation where next year's team is better than this year's team, but the record doesn't reflect that necessarily. So I look at this, and and to me, this is the roadmap to six or more. As you mentioned, as I was talking about that schedule, right? So you got Colgate, your FCS game, you got to win that, and I would expect them to win that um, because you're just going to overmatch them. Western Michigan, Purdue, and our and Western Michigan and Purdue are both in rebuilding mode. That's a good way to get off to a three three and zero start right there, and you should. Then you have Army, and, you know, Army runs and runs and runs, but I think Syracuse, if you can get up on them, you should beat Army. Army has tested some teams recently, and, and but Syracuse, I think at the end of the day, is a more physical team and should win that game. That gets you to 4-0 going into Clemson. You hope maybe you can pull off the Clemson magic, but let's even say you don't. Let's say you lose those next three. You're sitting at four and three after the bye week. Now, I know I don't like that Thursday night at Virginia Tech, but at the end of the day, you still have to play the game, and I still think Syracuse is the better team just based on what we've seen. And I think there you've got to bounce back, say, you know, you have a week and a half, you got to come back with a W there. And then you go and you beat Boston College, and there's your six. And then you're sitting at six and three with three to go, including Georgia Tech, who is very beatable. You know, I mean, they're better, but they're still beatable, even on the road. And Wake Forest, who it'll be at the end of the year, so they'll have figured out whatever their quarterback situation is by then. But, you know, we've beaten decent Wake Forest teams, so I see six or seven in there for sure. Um, I wasn't even counting the the Purdue game as, like, an automatic or, or should be a win. Like, I... I don't know enough about the team at this point to to take a Big Ten road game and, and mark it down as a should be W. So I wasn't even counting that one when I said I see a reasonable path to six. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, and I'll admit I don't know a ton of what Purdue situation is going to be next year, but I think in general on week three with a new coach, I would take the team that has the coach they've had for now that it will be their eighth season. And the team that knows who they are, I would you almost take that. hate to think about seeing that again, where you start the season on a winning streak and then you hit a rough patch. Yeah, you because know, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of the same players who went through that this year, and 
you have to wonder how they're going to cope with that if that is what happens and you hope that they can see it through and bounce back but that's tough man a, a second year in a row if you start hot you get these high expectations and you hit a tough losing streak you, yeah. you don't want to see a a good team derail a season like that i would say this though you look at that you know we can't completely write off those three you know cuz if let's say they do go over the clemson riding a four game winning streak i mean clemson's the better team but let's face it especially with homecoming it's going to be sold out in the dome you know what the dome's going to be like decent chance if syracuse is sitting at 4-0 that might end up being an 8 p.m.er, maybe even on ABC, right? They'll, they'll, because Syracuse and Clemson play good games. They're good games for television. Last year's game, we were disappointed with the result, but it was a damn good game for television. So if you have an 8 p.m.er at night or even a 3.30 on ABC or something, they'll be rocking and rolling. You never know. So maybe you do pull that one out. Or yeah. or or North Carolina on the road. Yeah, or I'm looking at that that Carolina game because you know Drake May can't play defense. He he can't play every position on offense. So um, yeah, I, you know you know who knows what what their their team is going to look like. Just because they have the best quarterback in the conference doesn't mean they're going to have uh, an unbeatable team. And I think we saw that at times this year. They weren't they weren't a world beater. They just had an incredible quarterback who could throw them on his back. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I look, I mean, and, and let's, let's be honest about football and it happened this year too. You win a game, you expect to lose, you lose a game, you expect to win. I think generally we didn't expect to beat Louisville. We beat Louisville. And then I would say a lot of us expected to beat Notre Dame and we lost to Notre Dame. So it trades, <laughs> Yeah, there's a trade-off. And let's be honest, this team almost beat a very good Wake Forest team on the road. Um, you know, they, they were competitive. They almost beat a very good Clemson team on the road. Y- you know, it's that thing, you get so close, so close, so close, and granted, it will be a different team, but a lot of those same pieces are still there that I could see them knocking off somebody in that middle group. Sure. You know, there. And, and like I said, I, I look at the second half of the schedule, not easy, but also, you know, I think they're a better team than several of the teams on that back half of the schedule. It's just a matter of finishing the job. And, I mean, they're owed one against Pittsburgh at some point here, right? <laughs> they're owed Maybe, one. but <laughs> it's not going to get handed to them. I know, I know. So. But I, I don't remember the last time we, we did this preseason and, and saw such a reasonable feeling roadmap to a bowl game i feel like it was always a lot of well if this happens and this happens this is a pretty like as long as the team is roughly what we're expecting and anticipating based on what's returning then you know barring something catastrophic the it's there the the path is there to take care of business and get to a bowl game and there's enough leeway where you know on one hand a, a, a decent team could could only win six games, but a pretty good Syracuse team, you know, if we see a team that looks close to what we saw the first half of this year, there's seven or eight wins out there. Yeah, and and that's completely I mean, let's face it, in twenty eighteen, none of us would have had nine nine wins marked down looking at that schedule. Um so it, it can happen. Um 
looking at future Syracuse football. So we actually know our opponents for the next several years for the most part. Like the ACC is a range that they just haven't figured. They don't tell you the weeks until January. Um, do not look at the 2025 schedule. Just <laughs> putting that out there. Great. Don't do it. It's brutal. Uh, it will make last year look like a cakewalk. Uh, 2025 schedule starts with Tennessee in the in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in that Chick-fil-A kickoff game. How we got into that, I don't know. And how they matched us with Tennessee, I don't know. How rude. Um, and then we have Notre Dame, too. So we've got two of our four out-of-conference games that year are Tennessee and Notre Dame. And then we also have Clemson and Florida State and like Louisville. It's brutal. It's and Miami, I think. Between us and Tennessee, who who won the last matchup? I, I think it might have been us. Well, we lost to Tennessee in ninety nine in ninety eight mm. in Was that the, the dome. Tennessee kicked the field goal as time expired to beat Syracuse and then went on to win the national championship. Mm. So uh, that was probably their toughest game all year with Syracuse uh, in 98. But before we go, football does not completely end because the XFL is returning for the third time. First time was ruined because Vince McMahon can't run a business. Uh, second time was ruined. Uh, well, that's, that's not fair. Vince McMahon can run one business, but he, whenever he seems to like, go out into other things. It doesn't always go as well. Uh, the second time went bad because of COVID. And now this is attempt number three. Without Vince McMahon involved, now it's The Rock. Anyway, I mention this because there are at least two I've found so far Syracuse players on rosters. The starting quarterback for the D.C. Defenders is going to be Eric Dungy. Is that uh, confirmed? He's top of the depth chart? Well, I don't know. He keeps getting listed first. Okay. So I, I assume that means he's the he's the man. That's exciting. I, I'm excited for him to get his opportunity. Um, and then the Seattle Dragons uh, have Mo Neal at running as as one of their running backs. So uh, that's at least two Syracuse guys. I have to keep kind of making my way through and seeing if I recognize names on rosters. But those are two that I know of for sure. So best of luck to them in uh, their season. And, you know, uh, it would be great to see Eric Dungy do well. Maybe XFL MVP Eric Dungy. How fun would that be? The XFL was created for guys like Eric Dungy. Like this is his time to shine. You know, it may not get him an NFL opportunity, but He'll get to play football, and we all know that he's a damn good football player. That's right. It's going to set him up to become the head coach of Syracuse in 2035. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I called it. You heard it here first. All right. Well, look, that's all we have for this week for Three Idiots and a Lawyer. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at 3 Pod. Like us on Facebook, Three Idiots and a Lawyer. If you have the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, let us know. We just want to know that it is safe. Enjoy the basketball this weekend. And we will see you next week. For Joe Shell, I'm Matt Pfeiffer. See you next time.